Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Talk, big opinions, the panel. A uh, good panel this morning uh, our uh, teammates, I guess, when they uh, work in the a morning show, uh, the AM show, uh, they've been uh, filling in for Mark Richardson, which has been great. The whole world re- respects that. Uh, so Jim Kays we've got, uh, and Nikki Styrus, uh, and, uh, of course, Jim from Breakdown, uh, award-winning journalist, uh, and Nikki um, flying the flag on uh, many news bulletins and shows uh, for News Hub as well. Nikki, can I start with you, please? Um, the Black Caps, sure. I imagine you showed a, a passing interest in it. Uh, we lost to Pakistan. I think in the end they had us uh, quite a long way out. But what did you feel about that performance? Oh, good morning, Jim and Smithy. Um, yeah, a bit of a passing interest in it, you could say, although being at 3am in the morning, my passing interest was reflected more from the replay than, <laughs> than the, uh, the yeah. live affair. But actually, you know, I wasn't that disappointed. And I think that's because I believe that we, first up, was a, was a pretty good effort. We're playing, playing a form team in the T20 World Cup in Pakistan, I mean, Sharjah is effectively a home ground for them. They've been playing in those conditions well, ever since Pakistan's had to move out of Pakistan, pretty much. And, um, you know, they showed against India that they are probably one of the favourites to go on in this tournament. So from that respect, I think that Black Cats' um, performance, you know, for me was probably maybe a 7 out of 10. I think uh, the areas that I was a bit confused about was Obviously, losing Lockie Ferguson was huge, um, and it's a real shame that Adam Milne couldn't come in like the like, you know, at late notice, even though the ICC is based, you know, over there. However, that's uh, another mm-hmm. story. But um, yeah, losing that pace, out in that pace, is obviously was was huge, and um, and then so obviously then they've gone in with not no, no five frontline bowlers, um, which I felt may have been an error. But they'll rectify that, you know, against the India game, I believe. Um, the other thing I got a bit confused about was, yeah, the, the, the order, and I heard you talking about that a bit before, Smithy. Uh, I personally think they should have opened with Seifert. Um I don't know what Seifert was doing down the bottom. Now <laughs> uh, Mitchell's never opened. I, I mean, he did a relatively good job considering, but he's not an opener. It's the first game of a World Cup. Why would you put him there? Um, mm. That's my thought so far, anyway. Well, I, I think, Nicky, perhaps uh, Seifert wasn't in the original 11. Uh, and so uh, when they put him in, they didn't want to disrupt the order that they'd come up with at the top of the order. I, I would be, wouldn't mind thinking, uh, mind believing that the only reason he came in was because Ferguson missed out. But however, we'll, we'll see uh, when they go to pick their next team 
uh, if that is the case. Uh, Jimmy, um, what did you make of that uh, that performance? Uh, and now, of course, the scenario we find ourselves in, really, if you look at the rest of the draw, if we don't win this, uh, I imagine we're out. Mm. Yeah, you can get in there, absolutely, and good morning to you both. Didn't score enough runs, eh? I mean, it's pretty simple, really. 134, uh, you look back right now, hindsight, you know, Pakistan got there with a, an over and a bit to spare, didn't they? So you, you sort of got to wonder, you know, and, and, and if you look at the New Zealand batting lineup, well, they didn't, none of them really did what you need to do in T20, which is get that sort of 50 off 20 or something like that, isn't it? And none of them got anywhere near that. And is Mitch Satner the right person to be bowling at the death? Um, I mean, I think he bends the ball about half a millimetre, and I, I'm just not sure whether he was the right person also to be to be bowling at the death. I mean, he, he got he got absolutely clobbered uh, by Shoaib Malik, you know, 12 off the first three balls. Um, I know that happened. You know, Saudi got hit for two sixes in the uh, earlier over, but, but I just worry about Mitch Shatner as our death bowler. Is he the right option, or is there someone better at that, that time of the game? Well, I think Lockie Ferguson is better, but he wasn't there. And, they, and uh, as Nick yeah. has pointed out, we couldn't get Adam Milnes there uh, so, uh, uh, in time. So I, I kind of, uh, I kind of re- expect uh, everything sort of changed on that basis. But you should have those contingencies mm. sort of worked out. That's what World Cups are all about. One of the interesting things that's come out of the non-cricketing side of it, uh, Jim, you may have caught up with us overnight, is that uh, mm-hmm. Quinton de Kock uh, refused to play. Uh, on the basis that he would not be forced to take a knee along with the rest of the South African team. Now, uh, this was a directive uh, for this game in particular. Uh, interesting this, uh, and he's such a formidable force within the side. So it's a, a powerful message, but I'm not quite sure which way it is. Yeah, well, if you read what the board has come out and said, they say the board has made it clear it was imperative for the team to be seen uh, taking a stand against against racism. That's highly laudable, I'm sure we all agree on that um, and taking the knee wasn't the only way that he could have done that there were uh, three other options one was to raise a fist one was to um, stand at attention, uh, which I thought was interesting as well, um, so it didn't didn't actually have to be that he took a knee um, I would suggest that he won't play again in the tournament, you know, how does he come back from that, how do they include him in the team when he's so publicly refused to, to take a stand against racism how can you refuse to take a stand against racism? I don't understand that. You know, like I do, that, that beggars belief. Do you understand how you can refuse to take a stand against racism? How but, do you, but, how do you I don't, support no, but, that? Jim, I don't think it was a stand against racism at all. I think what it was is exactly like Kyrie Irving's doing in the NBA. It's taking a stand against somebody forcing you to do something and it's not your decision. I think that it was more yeah, about the freedom. That's, that's a different thing. This is, no, it's not, though. No, it's not. You know, it's no, not it is. Because not. basically they're saying, no, they're basically saying, you, you can't force me to do something that should be a decision I can make and, and I will do it if I feel that it is the right decision. But, and, and this is exactly what Kyrie Irving said. He said, I'm not, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I I'd happily get the vaccination. I have a complete problem with being told that I can't play if I don't abide by your directives. And I think that's exactly what Clinton de Kock's just done. I think the de Kock one is, is demonstrably different because he is, he is by his actions, uh, saying that he supports racism. 
you know, if you are refusing to take a stand against racism, then you are tacitly supporting, well, not even tacitly, you are outwardly supporting racism. And for him to not even to not even come out and explain why he's not doing it, he says, I'll keep my reasons to myself, it's my own personal opinion. Well, you know, they're not asking him to do something extreme. He could have stood at attention. That's all he had to do was stand at attention. You, you know, to, to not support what is an international global stand against racism. And we've seen racism so much in the stands of, of so many different mm. sports. I just think it's, it's reprehensible for him not to use the platform that he's got to take a stand against something that is so disgusting in society. And, and I think by not doing so, he is positioning himself as racist. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, look, uh, look, I fundamentally agree with you um, in the sense of racism is absolutely abhorrent and should not be, um, it shouldn't be an issue, but I just think that there's, there's, there's a bigger and wider issue that's happening in the world at the moment, and I think you're seeing more and more people taking a stand against being told what they have to do, and I think this pandemic has, has kind of... Um, you know, made this a bigger issue, and I think maybe, maybe it'll come out that he says he comes out and he actually says that I, I don't like racism, but I don't want you to tell me I have to stand there and and do something when I I, I can do that myself. You know, that that's my decision. But yeah, I fundamentally sure, agree with you. We, yeah. But we get told to do things all the time by governments, don't we? We get told to wear. Seat belts. We get told to obey speed limits. We get told to wear life jackets when we go but, out on boats. We get told to wear helmets. But, but that's for your you know, protection like, of your life. That's that's your protection of your health. But, you know, like that. Which that's is which is the life. same as the vaccine, isn't it? I mean, this thing goes around in circles, Nikki. And and yes, I, I agree with you. Fundamentally, we need to protect our individual rights, hundred percent. But I don't think that that's the case with the with the Decox situation. You know, it's it's bizarre no, that he would do well. what he's done. We don't, we don't know because he won't say. He, yeah. he won't say what his position is. Yeah, so that's actually which leaves him, He actually needs to come back out which leaves and say what his reasoning is. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, Otherwise, position, it leaves him open pos- to, the, to racism. Yeah. yeah, his position right now is in the dressing room, and as Jim's pointed out, it's, it threatens to stay that way unless they come to an impasse on it. We'll take a, a quick break for uh, a belated news, and then we'll come back on another couple of very interesting issues which I'm, I'm sure you'll have an opinion on. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Great panel this morning. I love hearing those uh, uh, opinions and um, it's not that um, I disagree with uh, any of them to be fair because uh, knowing Quentin de Kock, I've never it's never struck me that he's out and out racist, I've got to say. Um, but maybe maybe on this matter, that's the way he's perceived as being, and uh, you're probably right on that score, Jimmy, uh, along with Nikki Styrus this morning. Jim, let's change uh, tack just a little bit. Uh, are you wowed by this uh, this Northern Tour so far? I mean, mismatch, this gross mismatch at the weekend and threatening to be another one, and uh, I know you're a, a passionate man about the All Blacks and, and matchups uh, against traditionals like Wales. Man, I hope it doesn't go the same way. Yeah, you'd, oh, look, I totally agree. I mean, yes, it was a mismatch of all proportions uh, in America, wasn't it, you know? Uh, and now, if, if, the thing is, I know there's been a lot made of the guys who aren't going to be in the Welsh team, and there are a few of them. There's a, there's uh, one, there's a couple of the forwards, you know, including um, Falato, who's a, who's a very good player. Uh, Dan Bigg is missing from the backs, Mick Tompkins and... Um, 
of the, I think he's a wing that rests Zammit. Uh, mm. But, they, you know, they, they're still going to have a decent side. The All Blacks are missing players as well. Teams are always missing players at different stages of, of tours and, and, and events. So, yeah, it would be very disappointing if Wales aren't um, competitive. Um, and they should be competitive. As I say, they're only missing five or six players from that team. You're back from missing a few players from our team as well. So you would hope it's a really good contest. I mean, there is there are a few places, Smithy, that you can go to, to watch a game of rugby that are as magical as a as a full house in Cardiff. It is absolutely brilliant, as I know you know. And, mm. um, you, you know, I just hope that the match lives up to what will be a grand occasion. It's sold out. Really interesting, actually. It's sold out. And you have to have a, a negative test 48 hours beforehand. And this is where we need to get to in New Zealand. They have a, a I think it's a spit test. It's a saliva flow test. So it's very mm. simple to do. You have that. And then you have to show evidence of that to go into the stadium. So let's hope that we can, you know, reopen and, 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 and get to that sort of point that they've got in, in, in Wales and in Cardiff for this test match. Even no- noise coming out of uh, the UK, people like uh, Stuart Barnes, etc. Um, who are always quite passionate now, uh, forthcoming with their uh, views, and I, I don't mind that at all. Nikki saying that the All Blacks basically at, at the moment just appear to be almost a money-making tool for uh, home unions. Oh, look, I think that that might be true, but um, it's a sign of the times, I think. And, and you've only got to sit there and go, well, you know, the rugby union. Uh, after the failed Silver Lake deal and probably doing everything they can to get money in the coffers so that they can continue. And this pandemic um, has put an immense amount of pressure on every sporting organisation with things cancelled left, right and centre. You're not getting people through the gates and hopefully, like Jim said, eventually we will get them back again. But, you know, that, that revenue source is currently dried up. So going over to the United States was for one reason and one reason only, and that was to put some money in the NZR coffers. And I think that's absolutely justified. I have no issue with that. Um, yes, it was a mismatch, but, you know, the people that went along probably knew that's what they were going to see, and I just wanted to see the All Blacks play. And I think, you know, all credit to them. So, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that comment. Okay, can I, can uh, I jump in on that? Yeah. Because, because I, yeah. I take huge exception to some of these people saying what they say. Rugby is a professional sport. It's no different Absolutely. to any other business. And, and they need to make money. And some of these guys who still have their heads stuck up the amateur era, and, and they, they look at it as if it's dirty or something, but at the same time they would be mm. critical if the general rugby wasn't able to be financially viable. And, and then they'd come around and say, well, well, why haven't you done this and why haven't you done that? Yes, they've gone away to play two test matches in America and in Cardiff that are outside of the test window to raise money. I praise them for that. I think that's a really sensible Same. business decision by the New Zealand Rugby Union to do that. They're, they're going to make they made two million, I think, out of America and a couple more million out of Cardiff. And that pays not only wages at the elite level, but it trickles down, hopefully, and it keeps the game financially viable. It is just ridiculous to criticise them for doing things to make money. God, what, 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 what planet are they living on? In a, in a, short, uh, a very short sentence, does Bowden Barrett deserve to start for his 100th, or does he come off the bench, Jim, for you? Oh, that's so hard. It's his 100th. I'd start him, the, the romantic in me would start him, but I think Richie Moonga deserves to start as the, the form first 5-8. Ooh, OK. <laughs> and Nicky? 
Oh, I'm going to go the opposite. That's not really a surprise today, is it? <laughs> I'm going to say Barrett. <laughs> Only because I think, yeah, your hundred. you know, he's been a wonderful servant for New Zealand rugby. I think he deserves it, and I think he's performed well enough in the, in the recent rugby championships to deserve that start. Richie Moanga's got a fantastic future. Let Barrett come play, play against Wales, and I'm sure that the following test that you'll see a reversal. Yeah, I can't think of a better place actually outside New Zealand to get uh, due, uh, a due response and a due reception than uh, the Millennium Stadium chock-a-full singing. I just think for Bowden Barrett that would be something special. Hey, Jimmy, uh, and to you, Nikki, thanks so much for your time this morning. Loved your debate. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's the kind of thing I think we could empty a zillion wine bottles and quite a few kegs and still disagree on at the end of the day. So thank you for your input this morning. Fantastic. That was the panel. Yeah, here on SENZ.